We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same, to go into the world to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter, the greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us, made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls, and the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus with the world around us. If your life has been changed, it's time to get to work. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey, look at your neighbor right now and say you're looking good. Looking good. Hey, if you're watching online right now, you're participating in the gathering that way. You're looking good, even in your PJs. You're looking good, even in your hair not being all fixed up or anything like that. But we got all dressed up today, right? Like we're all looking good this, this weekend. And uh, man, it's just, it's good to see all of you this morning. And here's what I know is that this is a challenging time. Does anyone agree that's been a challenging time? Even this week, maybe it's a little challenging. We're seeing things increase around us, and there's lots of wonder, and we're kind of going, I don't, I, I kind of wonder how things are going right now. We're not talking about wonder in a positive light. In some ways, it almost feels a little bit like, I wonder what's happening. We, many of us thought that uh, we were kind of past some of these seasons that we find ourselves in. But hey, Michigan, we're leading the way. Come on now. Congratulations, <laughs> Michigan. You are leading the way. Come on. That's, that's not the thing we want to lead in though, right now. But we are leading the way. So um, let me change the subject, though, to this. How many of you ever have played paintball? Come on, raise your hand if you've played paintball. All right, keep it up for a second because I want to see. All right, all right. There. More than what I thought have played paintball. Now, I grew up loving to play paintball. Uh, if my boys are watching right now, you should get out of bed if you haven't already got out of bed yet. Mom's not home right now, and so who knows if the boys will even show up for church today. I honestly don't know um, because they're boys and they're teenage boys. Someone asked me earlier, they said, do you need food in your house? And I'm like, we can always use food because they're boys, but we got it. So... Um, you know, lots of leftovers and those type of things. Gabe the other day was like, Dad, can I make something? And I was like, you can make whatever you want. He's like, well, do you have dinner plans? And I'm like, whatever you want. 
Whatever's in the refrigerator, you can eat those things. And if there's not enough, I made some beef jerky a few weeks back, and you can just eat beef jerky. And uh, it's protein, it'll keep, keep you all going. But um, the reason why I asked about paintball is this, is because um, there's something I loved as a kid, and maybe you can relate to this. Paintball is a game where you go out, and there's different methods to how you do it. Some is like, you know, it's, it's a last man standing type thing. But there's a game called Capture the Flag that I loved. I loved playing it because in Capture the Flag, you, all you had to do was get to the other side of the field and whatever it was, whatever the layout was, and you had to capture their flag. And as long as you brought that flag back onto your side, to your base, without being shot, without being, you know, taking, you know, a paintball, then you were declared the winner. And um, I loved going out and playing paintball because there was always a common enemy. Whoever was on the other team was the enemy, right? So if, I, if, if I've got the red bandana, you know, around my arm and they have a blue one, they're the enemy and they're going down. I've got a paintball gun, they got a paintball gun. And uh, it didn't matter if they were my best friend. It didn't matter if they were my wife. They're going down because they're on the other team. And uh, come on, anyone else out there a little competitive like me? Because that, that's how I am. I'm like, like, when we play a game, it's like we play to win. We don't play just to have fun. It's like if we're playing Farkle, if Kasha and I are playing Farkle and we're rolling the dice, I'm like, I'm going to beat you. I got you, girl. Like anything. Like we're playing Uno, boom, I'm on there. You know, like whatever it is, I want to win. It's a little bit of me, you can say, and we can talk about that later. I'll talk to my counselor about that and all that stuff as to why. But I love playing Capture the Flag because the whole goal was to basically get to the other side. And, and here's something about it. The, the simple objective was this, is whoever was kind of the craziest, whoever was the one who believed they were kind of in, in, indestructible, kind of shined in that game. Now, I knew that a paintball, though it hurt, was not going to take my life. So mentally, I was okay. Even if I came out with bruises all over, because I mean, come on, paintballs can bruise. And so even if I had bruises on my body, it was, it was not a big deal because it was short-term pain for long-term gain. I wanted to win. So I was the kid who mentally was out on the field and I was always the runner. I was really agile. I was quick. I know you think that right now. I mean, you can totally understand that. But, but I was the crazy one who would be the one who would go out, run. Like it was just run as fast as you could, get to a hiding spot, take some cover, you know, keep going, keep pressing on. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm more the guy who sits in the back, buys a bunch of paint, and just lays down a lot of ground fire. That's kind of what you do. You just kind of sit in the back and and just put the semi-automatic on and just keep going. And when you're young, you don't have money to buy paint. So you got to like actually, like you got to use it sparingly. But when you get older, you think you got money and so you just lay it down. You may be going, Pastor Brian, why are you talking about paintball this morning? Here, here's the thing. It all came down to a mindset in the game of paintball, I think, as to who wins. Now, you may say, no, there's actual skill. I do believe there is skill, but there's something to be said about those who go onto the field and actually believe they're going to win, who actually believe that they're not going to get hit, that somehow along the way, those are the people that actually win the game. And that was me. 
I was that one who was super competitive and always kind of grabbing the flag. I remember this one time uh, we were out, we were playing in Ozark, which is Ozark, Missouri, and uh, there was this place called Doling Swings, and we would go there, and they had like they had like swings and these hay barns and everything, but they had created this massive battlefield um, for paintball. I mean, they had they had put like. Uh, like, man, like culvert tubes and everything. You could actually crawl through the tubes to get in behind different places. They had set up bunkers everywhere. It was incredible. And we would go out there and we'd play capture the flag. And I loved it. And I remember one time I had grabbed the flag. I literally was like, kind of had like one of those moments in the movies where I was like, yes, I got it. And all of a sudden, pop, 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 just took one right in the chest. And I was like, oh, because it didn't win, because I had to get the flag back without getting hit. And, and those moments right there come down to a mindset. You know, I think for all of us, we all have different mindsets. Right now, some of us have mindsets. Some of you, right now, you're struggling with your mindset. You're, you're wondering, and I kind of talked about that in the beginning, you're wondering what's going on right now in our culture. You're wondering what's going on in our nation we see how racism is tearing things apart. We see injustice happening. We see people calling for police reform, and we see people calling for the other side. Like, we see all these different things, and we're, we're battling right now. We're battling when it comes to COVID. Do I go out? Do I not? Do, is it safe for me? We see people battling it right now. We're watching people battle different things. And here's the thing. I don't think we're battling things right now in the physical I think we're battling things right now in the mental. I think the biggest battlefield that you and I have right now is our mind. It's where everything is taking place. Like we're deciding before we ever step outside of the door whether we're going to have a good day or a bad day. We're deciding whether when we go to work, we're sitting there and we're deciding how that day is going to happen and what, what the day is going to hold based upon what we're thinking about, what we're processing through up here in our mind. And I'm telling you right now, it's a messy battlefield right now. We're seeing depression skyrocket. We're seeing anxiety skyrocket. Why? Because there's a battle that is going on in your mind right now. The beautiful thing is, is God's word actually has a lot to say about this idea of the battlefield of our mind. If I look at your neighbor right now and say this, God has a lot to say. And you may say, Pastor Brian, I know that he has a lot to say, but that's a good thing. This isn't a subject that we don't find a lot of him saying. Like, he's constantly challenging us to guard our minds. He's constantly challenging us to, to be people of the word. He's constantly challenging us to, to reframe our thinking. He's constantly challenging us to replace lies with truth. He's constantly telling us that the battle is in your mind. Now, the battle for your soul, he already won. That's the good news. Your soul, like he, he won spiritually. Like he, hey, listen, the, the game, it's game over, folks. Like he's already taken care of the end game. The difference is, is how will you actually get to the end game? As believers, will you get there in the way where you're like victorious and you've actually conquered and you've actually seen God move? Or will you get there like, I'm defeated, I'm struggling. Man, good thing God's grace is enough. How are you going to get to the end of the battlefield. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 will be our primary verse today. 
2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Not just regular power, divine power. You and I have divine power that's been given to us to demolish strongholds. We'll unpack that here in a minute. It goes on to say, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I don't know if you caught some of those things in there. It talks about that we live. It says that we fight, we demolish, we take captive. Now, many of you will sit there and say, you know what, I don't know if it's me, but, but I want to encourage you in something. It's you who chooses how you will live. It's you who chooses how you will fight. It's you who chooses how you'll demolish. It's you who chooses what you'll take captive. You choose. The victory has already been laid out for you. I was praying for us this morning in my office and just had this powerful prayer time. And the, the one thing the Lord just kept laying on my heart this morning was this idea that he has called us to a place of freedom, not a place of captivity. That God actually wants you to be set free in your mind today. When we talk about this idea of living out the gospel, when we talk about this idea of fighting in the midst of the circumstances that we're in, this idea of demolishing every stronghold and taking every thought captive, it comes down to you and me deciding that we will do our part. Because here's what we know. In life, there's God's role and there's your role. God always does his role. The question is, will you do yours? Let me say that again. God always does his part. The question is, is will you do yours? This passage of scripture that we just read talks about the weapons of, that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's talking about how you and I have been given everything we need to demolish the strongholds that the world is trying to give against and bring against us. We live, we fight, we demolish, we take captive. But we have to choose. You choose. You get to choose whether you'll live life to the fullest. You get to choose whether you'll fight through the pain and the disappointment that life brings. You choose whether you'll demolish the strongholds of addictions and the labels that people try to put on you. You and I get to choose of whether we'll take captive the thoughts that no one else sees, that are going on in our mind, that no one knows because it's just your thought. We've heard things like this, where you can look, just don't touch. And, and from a young age, we're taught these bad ideas that your mind is not a big deal. As long as you don't act on it, it's okay. But here's the thing. The more you think on things, the more you'll become those things you think on. It's a battle. And the enemy wants to do more than just capture your flag. He wants to capture your life. The enemy is trying to get you addicted to stinking thinking. The enemy is trying to get you addicted to depression. He's trying to get you addicted to the things of this world that are going to grab your mind and say, well, if I only had more success than that right there. In your mind, you're saying, if I, if I only had that, then I would be happy. Only to get the happiness. 
A lot of people lately got a lot of money from the government. In fact, if you have a social security number, I think almost everyone did for the most part. I know there are some people who, you know, maybe overqualified so they didn't get it, but, but majority of Americans got a pretty nice little chunk of money. And did we see happiness rise? Did we see depression go down? I don't think we did. If anything, I think we saw a little bit of anxiety increase. Because now what people are faced with is they know the choices they should be making with that. But instead they're like, dude, Best Buy has a really great sale right now on a new flat screen. And then our mind comes in, our mind says, you deserve that. I mean, I know you really should pay your rent, but you really, like, you deserve that. Like, you, you really should, you should get that. Our minds are constantly trying to fool us into thinking that somehow we deserve something. We've, we've, we've earned something. But the enemy is constantly trying to grab a hold of your mind and my mind. So when I was a little kid, um, I was in Rangers, Royal Rangers, and uh, I remember singing this song. And uh, there's this song, maybe, maybe you remember it. It goes like this. It goes, um, love is the flag flown high over the castle of my heart, over the castle of my heart, over the castle of my heart. Does anyone know that song? Love is a flag flown high over the castle of my heart, for the king is in residence there. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know. Like, like, I remember that song as a kid. We sang that song on a regular basis in Royal Rangers, and I remember being in groups of men, and it was really powerful because as a young boy, I could picture a flag. As a young boy, I could picture this castle. As a young boy, I could picture the idea of strength that was in the castle and this idea that Jesus was in residence in the castle of my heart. And there was this idea that my mind actually could be made strong in the Lord because he was in residence there. And I was sitting there, and as I was working on this message, that song literally came up in my mind because it was like God saying, Brian, do you remember as a young boy being taught that your life, your mind can be like that of a castle? Do you remember like the flag is, is flying high over, over your life, and it, it's telling everyone around you that Jesus is in residence there? And I started thinking about that, and I started thinking about today how we need to change the flag that we're flying over our hearts. Some of us are flying some flags that mean surrender. Some of us are, 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 we got a pirate flag. Like, no one would even know we're a follower of Jesus because of what we're, you know, like, they're like, whoa, that, like, you're, you, you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. It must be by grace <laughs> because of the flag you're flying. What, what's the flag that's flying over your life today? When someone talks to you, what do they think? Do they think, oh, man, that person right there, man, they have a confidence in who God is. Oh, man, that person right there, like, man, they, 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 they understand the goodness of who God is. We were praying as a team upstairs, and I said, hey, let's just, just tell me one word. Just give me one word about the goodness of God. And people started just saying different words, forgiveness. And so just one word, just talking about the goodness of who God is. Let's talk about his character for a minute. People just started naming out all of these words. And I said, you know what? Today, let's believe today that we, being the hands and feet of Jesus to our community, to everyone who will step foot into this church today, let's believe that today we can actually uh, show people that one word. 
So if it's joy, man, they need to see a smile on our face. Man, if it's humbleness, they need to see us walking in humility, helping others, serving other people who are around us. You see, this life is not about you. It's not all about you. I know everything in culture says it's about you. Have it your way. Just do it. But it is not about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not. It's not about your neighbor. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about what he's already done for us. He wants us to fly the flag over our hearts and over our lives that people look at and go, that person right there loves Jesus. And it happens and starts in our mind. That's why we're talking about spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. How we respond, how we relate, how we think, and how we live. Today we're talking about this idea of mental, how we think. What is going on in your mind these days? I, I can tell you this. I'll just talk personally for a second. The battle has increased in my mind like never before. I'm struggling more in my mind right now than I ever have in my life. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, that's me. I'm not trying to put that on anyone. I just know that as a leader, like I, I'm watching this battle continuously happening in my mind. And there's a lot of lies that the enemy keeps speaking into my life. There's a lot of lies that he keeps just speaking over me, and I get to choose whether I listen to those lies or whether I say no to those lies. Some of us have been believing the lies for way too long. We call it our SEMP health. SEMP health is spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical. And so if you were to just rate your overall SEMP, your overall spiritual, um, emotional, mental, and physical how would you rate it? What, like on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being really good and 1 being horrible. <laughs> how would you rate your SEMP health right now? Just all of it in, together. Pick a number in your mind. You don't have to say it out loud, but just pick a number. Where are you at on the scale? Overall, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. So when I did this... One of the things I realized is, is my number was a little higher than when I actually said this. Now rate yourself emotional, or I mean mentally. How are you doing mentally right now? Scale of 1 to 10. For me, my number was actually lower than my overall score. The thing that was bringing my whole overall average down <laughs> was the mental side. And I really struggled with that. And so I was like, okay, God, like, I need your help. And he's like, Brian, you have a lot of resources at your disposal, you need to spend some time in it. So I spent time in God's word. I spent time reading a book. I actually read this book this week, uh, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Groeschel, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. I know it sounds like I'm doing like a little plug for him. I get nothing for this, but this is an incredible book. And in it, you, you may say, well, Pastor Brian, why is it so incredible? Because it's filled with a ton of scripture. And he gives you the key in the midst of it, and we'll talk about that here in a second, that the key is, is how do we actually get mentally healthy? We replace all the negative thoughts with God's truth, which is his word. 
And so on the back of this, like he gives you all these different scripture verses and everything that have to do with the battles that we're facing in our minds. And these are scriptures that we should be putting to um, memorization in our hearts and lives. The word of God says, I have hidden God's word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. There's this idea, and I was super challenged after I read it, that I don't have enough of God's word memorized. Um, you may be a little bit like me. I rely on Google a lot. So I do. I just, I Google a lot of scripture verses. Um, when I'm doing message prep, instead of having it hidden down in my heart, I actually just Google it. Like I know, I know the just, like I know a lot of the scripture, but I don't always remember where it's found or know it in its entirety. And so I'll just Google it and I can put enough in there and Google's smart enough to know the scripture verse. And then it pulls it up. I'm like, yes, that's the one. Yes, that's good. Okay, that was found there. Um, but I was super challenged by that in this book of actually having it memorized. I mean, we're engaging in God's word every day and we're doing that in soap, but I was challenged with, man, I need to memorize these scripture verses. Because why? Because when I face the challenges that I'll face mentally, I need God's word to rise up. And instead of me going, hold on one second thought, let me Google that, I need to actually have it planned out and ready to go. Because why? Because I'm in a battle. I'm in a battle. The tagline of Craig's book is change your thinking and change your life, and I believe he's absolutely right. So your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Think about that this morning. Where are your strongest thoughts? And where your strongest thoughts are is probably where your life is headed. So if all you're thinking about is the coronavirus is on the uptick and life is over as we know it, guess what you'll probably experience in your life? A lot of fear and a lot of anxiety because in your mind, your mind is already going there. Your mind is, is looking for it. See, here's the thing. When, when you and I understand, you see, you're always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if your strongest thoughts are positive thoughts, then guess what? you're moving in a positive direction. If, you're, if your thoughts, strongest thoughts are negative thoughts, you're moving in a negative direction. And then what's even crazier is, is your brain is really smart. Your brain is super, super smart. And so it knows that if this is the thought, if, if it's a negative thought, your brain then starts searching for facts to back up the thought. And guess what happens? If you're looking, like if you're negative thoughts, your brain starts finding all the negative things around you. It's much better than Fox News. Your brain's better than CNN. It's better than all the news out there. Your brain finds negative news quicker than anything else around you. The same is said of positive. Your brain will find all the positive things around you. Ever met somebody who their filter was negative? And it seemed like every time they faced a challenge, they experienced negative circumstances attached to that challenge. But then you've seen other people who are super positive, and they find the positive in everything. And this is more than a personality, folks. I'm not talking about just personality gift sets. I'm literally talking about, are you 
dwelling on positive things or negative things? Where's your strongest thoughts? In his book, he, uh, he talks a lot about cognitive bias, which cognitive bias is the, it's, it's really where our brain starts looking for things based upon personal experiences and it creates a bias in us. So if maybe in your life, let's just say you had an abusive father, your brain is saying cognitively has a cognitive bias because you say, you know, a lot of fathers are abusive. Now, if you've never had an abusive father, in your mind, you're like, oh, no, fathers are really good. It's this cognitive bias. Now, I know that's really simple. Some, another uh, way to put it is this. It, it's confirmation bias is, is, is uh, another way to kind of put that out there. And confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, or recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values. So based upon the things that we hold to, we actually have this confirmation bias that rises up inside of us and our brain starts saying, these are the values you hold to, these are the things that you're dwelling on, so let me find things to support what you're actually dwelling and thinking about. And your brain is really good at finding those things. Now, I, I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. What does that tell us? Your brain, here we go, in the words of Brian, your brain will find stinky things and it will find good things. Your, your, your brain will find things to support the stinky thoughts that you have, and it will find things to support the good things you have. Why is it important to spend time in God's Word? Because God's Word is filled with promises. It's filled with truth. It's filled with things that we can actually Live our lives according to Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. See, I, I would say this. Many of the relational challenges, eating disorders, addictions, forms of anxiety are a direct result of toxic thinking. Life has always been a reflection of the thoughts that we have. Think you can't, you probably won't. Think you can, you probably will. Dwell on problems, they'll probably overwhelm you. Look for solutions, you'll overcome the problems. Feel like a victim, you'll become one. Believe you're an overcomer, you'll experience freedom. I don't, I'm just telling you, your mind will find a solution to get and to validate the thought that you're dealing with. God is calling us to a place of freedom and he's showing us the path. So how, how do we check our minds? How, how do we deal with this idea of the mental battlefield that we're all facing? Here, here's, here's the beauty of it. The beauty is found in God's word. The, the first thing I talked about earlier was this idea of abuse. So let's just think about abuse. If you, if you have an abusive father or an abusive husband or abusive spouse or an abusive relationship, whatever it may be, maybe an abusive boss, what, whatever it may be, a place where you've been abused, you, that right there becomes a lie many times in our lives where our brain says, well, everyone who is like that person will do that very thing, which we know is a lie. That's not truth. So how do we find truth? Well, we look to God's word. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. Okay, so God's word is actually speaking to the opposite of that. If someone's dealing with this idea of riches, like in riches, how, like maybe someone says something like this. They say, you know what? All rich people are just snooty, snobby, and just like, they just, they, they're not good for anybody. 
Then here we go, Proverbs 28, 19. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Scriptures actually kind of tells us a little bit about those who actually put their hands to the things that they're doing will have plenty. Those who don't won't have enough. Okay, maybe, maybe we're dealing with some, let's, let's talk about racism for a minute. What does the Bible actually say about racism? There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28. That's truth. That's something that we can replace lies. Some of us grew up in homes with some stinking thinking. And I know, I know for some of us, no one, no one wants to label themselves a racist, but here's the thing. When we actually respond towards people who are around us in a certain way and we have preconceived ideas and we have a cognitive bias towards certain people, there is something inside of us that needs to change. And listen, I recognize it in myself. There are times where I see, it doesn't matter, I see groups of people around, you know, and, and I have this cognitive bias that comes up inside of me. Some of it is, is because of what I'm being shown by society around me. It creates a cognitive bias in me. And what we have to realize is that we can't have a positive life if we have a negative mind. You just can't. You can't have a positive life if you have a negative mind. Will you get to heaven? Yes. For by grace you have been saved, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So guess what? You can still get to heaven and be a miserable person. But I just wonder if when you stand before the Lord and you say, all right, and he, he looks at you, I don't think you're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I think, he, I think you may hear, you are a pretty grumpy person. I had so much more for you, but <laughs> you made it. I don't find that in the Bible anywhere. That's more like my interpretation of how that moment's going to happen. So don't go out of here thinking that. But, but we have to realize that we can't have that positive life if we have a negative mind. So what comes into your mind is what comes out in your life. Let me say that again. What comes into your mind is what comes out of your life. Stinking thinking. Guess what you'll have it? You're going to stink in life. Now, I'm not talking self-help here. Let's go back to God's word. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. Remember, this is a battle. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So here's a question I have for you. What's the stronghold in your mind? Where is most of your thoughts going to these days? Is it I don't have enough? Is it what if I get sick? Is it this world's just falling apart? Where's your mind? The Greek word that's used there is, is uh, akaroma, which actually means fortress. It's this idea that there is this fortress that the enemy's trying to build up. Now, if you were to do a little bit of research, a fortress in, the, in this, uh, this time when this would have been written would have been this idea of uh, in a city they would have, on a higher hill, they would have built this fortress. And 
Many scholars talk about how thick the walls would have been, and it would have been a safe place for people to go into when the enemy would attack. I think the enemy actually tries to build fortresses in our lives, not a godly fortress, but actually like a prison in your mind. To where you live in a place that you're trapped rather than a place that you're free. You see, the enemy wants to build up the stronghold in your life, and it's a place that's been reinforced by every negative thought that you think of yourself, your family, your workplace. He's trying to get you to lock yourself up in the stronghold. He says things like this, no one trusts you, you'll never succeed, you'll always be broke, you can't have what others have, your marriage will always struggle, God's not listening, no one cares about you, especially God, because why? Because you've sinned, and he looks down at you, and he's not pleased with you. But may I remind you of something, that you have been given power to destroy these strongholds. And here's the beauty is, is the power that you've been given is not power in yourself, it's divine power. Now what does that mean? That means it's God's power in you. Think about that, divine power. You've been given divine power to destroy it's dunamis. It's this idea of explosive power that God has given you to actually destroy the stronghold that the enemy has tried to build in your life. Some of you today, and here's what I believe is going to happen. God is going to come in and he is going to boom. He's going to explode some stinking thinking you've got. You've got the stronghold in your mind that you've been running to. And what has happened is, is that stronghold has created a prison around you where you're locked up with some stinking thinking. And God today wants to set you free. So how? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against what? Against the knowledge of God. Now how do we find out about the knowledge of God? In his word. So then how do we do that? So we spend time in his word. And when we spend time in his word and we understand through the knowledge of who God is, that's what he's given us. The word of God has been given to us so we can know more about him. And when we know more about him, then what do we do? We take captive some of our thoughts. No, it's every thought, yes. It's every thought you take it captive. And you do what? You make it obedient to Christ. Every thought you take captive and you make it obedient to Christ. Not just some thoughts. Every thought, good thoughts, negative thoughts, every thought you have, when you think you're not good enough, you look at that and you say, you know what, I'm going to take captive that thought and then I'm going to look to God's word. And what does God's word tell me? Well, God's word actually says that I am good enough. God's word says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God's word speaks this truth over my life. That is how we take every thought captive. So here's today's big idea. It's this, is you've got to identify the stronghold and then name the truth that destroys it. What is the stronghold in your life? Maybe you've been battling the physical side of your, your life right now. Maybe you're in, in a spot right now where you're not healthy, and you're like, you're trying to accomplish it from a physical standpoint. But the reality of it is, is your mental will actually determine much of your physical. Kasha was doing this program called 75 Hard every day. 45-minute outdoor workout, 45-minute indoor workout, drank a gallon of water every day, read 10, chapter, or 10 pages in a book, took a progress picture, all these different things. And when she first started it, you know what her mind told her? You can't do this. 
Her mind was like, there's just no way you can do it. When the snowstorm came and she was out there and she's walking outside trying to get her outdoor workout in and it's snowing like crazy and it's raining one day, her mind is saying, there's no way you can do it. But in the midst of it, she said, you know what? I'm going to identify the stronghold and name the truth that destroys it. So how do we do it? Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thought on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And think about that, that the, or think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You identify the stronghold and you name the truth that destroys it. There's a song that I've been listening to a lot lately. And the song, it's written by um, Brian Colwalt and, and um, Katie Torwalt or whatever. Tolwalt, I think is what it is. And it's a Jesus culture song. And um, it's called Prophesy Your Promise. Let me, just, let me just read a few of the lyrics to you for a second. It says, I found you in the middle of my mess. You have been there all along. Open arms and open heart, you called me in. You didn't hesitate at all. And the lies I once believed, they crumble with the weight of your truth. And the fear that gripped my heart was arrested so that I can see you. When I only see in part, I will prophesy your promise. I believe you, God, because you finish what you start and I will trust you in the process. I believe you, God. I wonder today where you are in the midst of your mind. Where are you today in the midst of your mind? Where are you struggling? What are the things that you're facing? Because God is enough. Craig gives all these incredible tools that can help you win the war in your mind. That's why I would encourage you. This is a great book. And there's no way that today I can unpack all of that in just one moment. But here's what I can do. I can encourage you to fight the battle in your mind with God's word. Here's what you got to do. Identify your stronghold and name the truth that destroys it. You need to look at God's word. Listen, when you feel like you can't get it all done, you need to say, you know what? No, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. When you feel like you're not attractive, when you feel like you don't look good, you need to remember what Psalms 139 verse 14 says, for I, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you feel miserable, when you feel like there's no way to keep going on, you need to go, you know what? No, 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 no. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah 8, 10. When you feel all alone, when you feel like no one is there, you need to say, you know what? No, no, my God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Hebrews 13, 5. When you feel like you're a victim, when you feel like life is just throwing at you one thing after another, no, you need to say, you know what? No, no, no. I am an overcomer and what the enemy says is not true, I have overcome. Romans 8:37. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. When you feel like you can't keep going on, you need to identify the stronghold and name the truth that destroys it. Why do we say spend time in God's word? Because in it is truth after truth after truth, promise after promise after promise, moment after moment of encouraging you and I. Listen, in the battlefield of your mind, 
you can be victorious. Your life is going in the direction of your strongest thought. So where are you going today? I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. I think many of us, as we have searched our lives, and maybe we'd even say, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, here's where I'm at in my mental side of life. We're struggling. So right now, can we just go to the Lord and maybe just even just say, God, right now I'm just struggling. Father, I'm struggling mentally right now. I'm struggling with some of the lies that the enemy's been speaking. I'm struggling in this season. I need you, God. I need your help. I need you to be faithful. Help me, God, right now. Father, I know that you're faithful to meet with each and every person and all the things that they're facing. God, I pray that you'd help them to identify the strongholds in their life. God, make yourself faithful in this season, in these moments. In Jesus' name.